everyone. I'm Dr. Rachel Lupian. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Sparrow. Our climate is in crisis, and we all want to help, but we might not know how. We're talking to people who have figured out how to use their talents to combat climate change in the hopes that their journey might inspire your own. This is How We Got Here, because the Earth needs professional help. Hey, Steph. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It feels like fall here, so I'm invigorated. Yes. Same with up here. The leaves are changing, and they're falling to the ground. Super late, though, this year, I feel like. I mean, you're the expert. I am not the expert. Is it late? (laughs) It is late this year. Nothing here is changing. It's actually really bonkers. There's a ginkgo tree that we follow, that I follow, and it's so late. (laughs) On Instagram or like No, in real life. life. Okay, cool. That would be amazing. I bet that exists. The ginkgo tree You should make it an Instagram. I will. I go to the botanical (laughs) garden every Sunday with Theodore, and we look at the ginkgo tree. Uh, That's great. But last year, it it was already yellow. Well... I haven't talked to you all week. Uh, all week. So what what happened in the past week? Did anything like really awesome happen? Or? Um, I think I had a good week. Two things. We Theodore did not have daycare Thursday or Friday. Is it a holiday? You ask. No, mm-hmm. just arbitrary days off. Oh, fun. Um, but <laughs> we took him to a a uh, farm and he interacted with goats for the first no. time. And it was, and he wasn't scared. And it was, Aww. I mean, I could have watched him interact with goats all weekend. That's very cute. Sounding. It was delightful. <laughs> and that's great. A weather station that my students set up on campus got hooked up to the internet. Ooh. So you could type internet, you Richmond weather. That's not what it is. I don't actually remember the URL. You type in, in internet. You type in, you go into <laughs> Google and you say internet. And then hopefully something else pops up. <laughs> but it's online, and that was a small miracle. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? What was your week like? Um, I had a pretty good week. Remember all those that paper that I was having trouble <gasps> kind of getting into? Yes. I got it. I got into it a little bit. You put it out there. I, I wrote an introduction. Okay, no, I didn't submit it or anything. But I, I you know, I, I yeah. broke the broke the seal kind of. Did you do the <laughs> trick, or you made no? Over the- <laughs> That's a stupid trick. I mean, we're, I yes, it is. We're talking about the change the font to to white and just type and type and type and deal with editing later. And no, I did not do that. Maybe I should have though. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Why? I have some I have some running. I don't know. It was my tip. <laughs> Maybe I should follow it. Yeah, report back. Tell okay, us how that okay, I'll do it. And but I'll, that's great. Um, yeah, then I'll talk about what went wrong next week. <laughs> that was and this. I'll talk about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this past weekend, uh, one of the PIs or principal investigators in our lab group, so professor, uh, had us up to his family's house in the Catskills. Oh, yeah, beautiful. it was like a whole lab retreat that we didn't get to do last year because of COVID. And it yeah. was, um, we have a lot of new people in our lab group. And so it was really nice to get to know everyone. What a nice thing to yeah. do. It's perfect weather, perfect season for the cat skills, I feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah. The leaves are I the leaves are beautiful up there. Yeah. And some of us went on a little bike ride around oh. the, the reservoir there and it was great. We did get caught in a thunderstorm. Oh yeah, cold front <laughs> moved through on Saturday. Actually kind of terrifying. But yeah, 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 yeah. but beautiful leaves. <laughs> That's great. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you have, like, did anything go wrong this past week? I mean, it's always good to talk about the, the bad things just to sure. you know, let's vent a little, maybe. I I won't talk about the colleague who I saw this weekend and looked at my son and then looked at me and said, how's your research coming with him? And I said, I said, what did I even say? I don't know. F Internally, off? I was, like, exploding. But instead, I was like, it doesn't get done. Ha, ha, ha. I cry a lot. Like, what? Who asked that question? I haven't seen you in a year and a half. Um, So that was, we won't talk about that, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit. But I will talk, I mean, I guess this is like Theodore week. He, what is not great is he's home these two days from daycare because we got a, we got a note yesterday from our daycare and a lot of graphic imagery that was like, (laughs) you need to pick up your son Uh because he had, I shit you not. Oh. And it, oh, well, yeah, an explosive <laughs> diarrhea event. Oh, and event. They, sent a, they sent so many 
pictures. <laughs> and I was like, I believe you. You were like, no, no, I, I know what you mean. We're going to go get yeah, him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was very grateful we had a change of clothes. I'm like, last time when he peed through his – no, I forget what happened last time, but he wore these beautiful purple leggings. Regardless, he's home oh, for two days. That, yeah. mm-hmm. And he's perfectly fine. COVID negative. Just this one – he's been – once you have a child, I mean – Rachel, I will say you talk about poop more than most people. <laughs> but it My claim ex- to fame. Yeah. It increases exponentially when you have a kid. It's a lot and, of poop talk. Yeah. Oh my god. Don't you have to like you have to like tell like you and, and your partner need to like report his poops to each other. So Initially that... when they're when they're really, oh, okay. really young. He's one, it's fine. He's a four thirty PM pooper. We know that happens. When that oh. when he's off that, yeah. Uh, but no no no. Anyway, I'll stop talking about it. <laughs> All of that. All uh, of oh, say, uh, he's perfectly fine, and we have him home for. Two. I am very grateful for their COVID protocols and how they're erring on the side right. of safety versus not. But, but a little inconvenient. Yeah, yeah. We had we had meetings <laughs> scheduled. Yeah, <laughs> we podcast to, to record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And daycare is really messing up that. He's welcome on the podcast, by the way. Uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him know. I'll let him. How about you? Do you have anything bad happen in your week? I, you know, I had a pretty good week, actually, but I, there was one thing that I, I had been nominated for that I found out from other people, of course, that I did not get it. I found out oh. from other people because they told me that they did get on it. And I was like, oh, that's oh, awesome. So like, <laughs> but, but I, I did guess... not. Yeah, but that's okay. It was just, you know, it's it's just like an extracurricular kind of thing. And I, okay. it was something I was interested in, but... Oh, well. Not a heartbreaker? Did Not you get the email eventually saying you didn't oh, no. get it? Oh, oh. sure, no. Oh, I mean, like... I, it wasn't an application, so I don't know if I will ever. Okay, okay. But well, that's a bummer. Happy for my pals that are on it. But that's... thought I needed to report it here because it's always good to talk about the things you don't get. Yeah. Because it might seem like, you know, a lot of people have it all figured out, but that's not true. Listen, not getting on committees. <laughs> I have multiple photographs of explosive diarrhea that don't end up on Instagram. Lives are not all glamorous. I think yours is worst, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine, though, so it's okay. Oh, right, yeah, yeah exactly. It's, we, it's can la- we can laugh about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm so excited to talk to our guest today. Yeah, me too. Um, let me tell you who she is. Okay. Yeah. Her name's Sarah. Sarah Vogelsong is an award-winning reporter and editor. She's the environment and energy reporter for the Virginia Mercury. So that means she covers everything from state utility regulation to pipelines and environmental justice to sea level rise. And I actually think one of the best ways I've seen her work described is from a guy on Twitter who said, I don't know what her actual beat is, but I enjoy how every piece I read of hers teaches me about a fun new way climate change is ruining our planet. (laughs) So I'm stoked to talk to Sarah. That's awesome. Firstly, thanks for being here. But Sarah, what do you do? What's your what's your job title? What do you have a business card? I don't know if that's a thing anymore. And if so, <laughs> what does it say? What's your LinkedIn profile say? That's the new business card. I, oh, yeah. I do have business cards, oh. and in non-COVID times, I I do use them quite a lot. Um, I am the uh, environment and energy journalist at Virginia Mercury, which is a policy-focused state news site that's been around for a little more than three years um, and was basically founded with the thought that newspapers were being gutted. And so a lot of these beats that had traditionally been covered, like environment and like utilities, were not really getting covered very thoroughly anymore just because newsrooms were shrinking and they're still really, really important areas. And I think in the case of the environment, I think arguably is getting more and more important as time goes by. And yet at the same time, you do have the shrinking pool of people who are covered. Yeah. Um, So I know it was really important to my editor, who was a former environmental reporter at the Times-Dispatch in Richmond. It was really important to him to have somebody covering that piece. I did not realize. Oh, you go, Rachel. I didn't realize the Mercury was so new. I think I thought they were around a while. <laughs> so if if you're talking to somebody behind you at CVS, like, what do you actually do as as um, a journalist? Um, I I do a lot of different things, and and I'm going to talk about this sort of in the 
context of non-COVID times. Um, yeah, yeah, that's sure. Totally, yeah. absolutely. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're out um, of it. <laughs> I think that for me, like one of the really attractive things about journalism is that you're not sitting behind a desk all the time. Mm, totally. Um, you get to go out and about and meet people, whether that's like going to a public meeting or going out to somebody's business or their farm or trying to think of places that I've <laughs> gone recently. You know, it, when you're covering environment, maybe you're going out in a boat or into a mountain or like a nature mm-hmm. preserve or something. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I like being a geologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's great. And I think it's like, for me, it, it sort of adds this like energizing component to work it's like if I'm demotivated I find that like going out and actually like talking to people in person and being places will sort of like you know get the blood flowing yeah yeah it does that's a good way to put it your passion back in it yeah yeah (laughs) so if you're if I were to say what do you actually actually do on a day-to-day basis it sounds like it's never the same you're are it's yeah it's not ever the same um so there's that component to it um I mean having said that there is, I definitely do like spend a lot of time at my computer as well. Um, at the end of the day, you like have to write something. So that's generally a part of every day that I have. And I mean, I also just spend a lot, a lot of time reading. I think that's true of pretty much every journalist, you know, whether that's a matter of reading like reports that have come out um, or legal filing or, you know, coverage from other areas um, so that you get broader context um, or just Mm -hmm. you're reading something that sort of generally relates to your beat and then you start to make connections between different things. Can I ask Um, a dumb question? Probably. Is it going to be the same as mine? What's a beat? Is it what's a beat? beat? Yeah. (laughs) Do you get like, is a beat like a story? Or I don't know. It's your your thing. (laughs) A beat is like the specific area that you work in. So okay. for me, my beat is environment and energy. Um, one of my okay. Coworkers, oh, so, so it's broad. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. It it they can be very narrow, but in general, they are somewhat broad. But they are still more specialized than like a general assignment reporter is somebody who can just I kind see. of go out and cover anything, any anywhere. But I think I was thinking you'd have, like, a different beat day-to-day where today you're like, I'm thinking no. sea level rise in Norfolk or, you know, like, but it's... That's a sub-beat. Uh, that's a sub-beat, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I get the terms now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> so my beat is sometimes, like, very, very reading heavy because I do cover utility regulation and that all kind of goes mm. through dockets um, in which for me and Virginia's Public Utility Commission is called the State Corporation Commission. So, and because we are a regulated state, it's like any big decision that any of the utilities want to make, they have to get approval for those from from the state to basically be like, yes, this is a good idea, mm-hmm. or this is a bad idea, and sure, you can spend ratepayers' money in this way. That sounds like a lot of dry, it's like, such dry reading the legal aspects yeah. of that and having to like tear that apart i feel like maybe not i don't know maybe no, it's, it's <laughs> no it, it can be more interesting than you would think but yes there are there are definitely big parts of it that are kind of a slog and are very difficult to understand but one of the great advantages of being a reporter that i found well actually i would go with, with two here that are related One is that you can ask people pretty much any question. And (laughs) most people don't expect a reporter to know that much about a given subject. So most people are also willing to like kind of go back and really explain the nuts and bolts to you because you're their conduit. You know, you, you have this area of expertise and they know that, that it's often hard for the public to grasp all of the nuances of a given field. And so they sort of see the journalist is the way to, break that down for for people right that makes total the, sense yeah the other advantage is just that you you get to be like kind of nosy and ask questions <laughs> that like <laughs> but it's your you're Otherwise, like kind of an, it's you're under the umbrella yeah. of like this is my job are, are people like are people you talk to or interview are they ever surprised about how 
like how informed you are in in the topic that that you're asking about? It depends what I'm working on. And I do think that some of these issues, you know, become these fields become so narrow that you end up talking to the same people over and over again. Uh, I see, and that's I see. not necessarily because you're not trying to talk to other people. It's that there's only a, it's like, it's small. just a small pool yeah. who's working that. So let's take a, a step back and, and sort of get into your, to your journey of how you got to where you are. But I first want to ask if you could just tell us a bit about how your work contributes to combating the climate crisis in what ways you see. I mean, I think that I see a lot of my role as an environmental reporter where it overlaps with climate change as just sort of informing people that not only is this a thing that is happening, um, but here are the myriad different ways that this is, you know, at this very moment at present impacting our lives and our economy and our decision making, like all of these different sort of slices of how we exist as a society. There is still a huge amount of doubt out there among the general public that climate change is actually occurring. Um, And I know one of the decisions that we made at the Mercury was that we were not going to portray climate change as an issue to be debated. You can debate policy about how to deal with climate change. You know, that's totally, that's not just legitimate, that's the correct thing to do. (laughs) Nobody has all of the answers to this, but there really isn't any credible widespread doubt that this is occurring. Part of that decision-making came out of a workshop that I was at a couple of years ago. Um, was it at the Climate Science Central. Mu- was it at it's, the Science Museum of Virginia? It was. And actually, you were at this, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think I presented there <laughs> at that workshop. Like. Yes. So a few years ago, I attended Climate Central's Climate in the Newsroom program at the Science Museum. With Seth Sparrow, um, yes. With Seth Sparrow. And... We probably met, and I don't remember it. That's fine. <laughs> I apologize. They're totally fine. Um, but, I think, but I think that that was a really also clarifying moment for me, and that we had previously, prior to that, you know, talked in, in my newsroom about how we were going to handle climate change, how we were going to frame it. And so I, we were already on that path, but I think going through that experience and just having really a couple of days to focus in on that subject really kind of solidified us in being Hmm. like, yes, this is the correct course on this. And words matter. You know, there's a lot of word selection. You sometimes don't even think when you're writing quickly about the words that you choose. So saying somebody believes in climate change is we try to avoid that kind of language. And that was just something that I wasn't as attuned to prior to going in. I think that's great that that came out of that three-day workshop. I also, if it makes you feel better, have no recollection of most of it. But I do remember I had to put a presentation together, so that's why. I was there, Rachel, presenting. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So we definitely both saw each other talk, which is amazing. (laughs) And we were both extremely memorable. But I I think that's really great that you do, that the Mercury has made this choice. I do, people who... So to me, the Mercury is like a little more on the progressive side, just even in making this choice alone. Do you get a lot of people who comment on your stories like, oh, there's Sarah again talking about this hoax or a comments turned off? <laughs> or do you find the readership people like self-selected and they're like, I'm here at this. I read this online newspaper because these are the stories I'm interested in. Or is it all of the above? We definitely get comments every time I write about specifically climate change from people saying that it's not real. I do not think that we get as many comments about that as probably like Times Dispatch does or, you know, certainly as these much, much larger publications do. So I think that there probably is some self-selecting in because we are a policy focused, you know, site. Um, Our commentary 
absolutely does have a progressive tilt to it. Although our news reporting is... Oh, yes. Does not. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. The op-eds, maybe. Yes, 100%. But yes, no, that is that is correct. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, let's take it back. Did you... Did 15-year-old Sarah know <laughs> that she was going to be a journalist? What was your first job? Did you have an awful haircut? I talked about mine <laughs> many episodes ago. Or did you have to wear a uniform? Did you... How did... What was your first job? Where did you start? <laughs> Well, first, let's see. My first job job was, like, working at a coffee shop when I was, yeah. like, 16, right. 17. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that, Sarah, like, journalist? Let's do it? No. Oh. No, I did not. I definitely came to journalism through, like, a very circuitous route. Um, so I initially, I had no idea what I wanted to do after college. I knew I probably wanted to do something with writing. But mm. because I, I always felt like that was yeah. my strength, and I loved doing it. What did you major in in college? English. Okay, sure. That um, makes sense. Yeah. So I went to William and Mary, and they don't yeah. even have nice. a journalism degree. And I will also say, like, I had zero interest in working in the newspaper. I I was like not super involved in college. I think it was like That's an funny. era of quitting for me. So it's like yeah. I worked a. I, I worked through it, but yeah, no, I mean, we love your early twenties or forties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we love. I mean, we love to hear about circuitous routes because yeah. a lot yeah. of people have them, and it's good to talk about it so that people know that it's okay, and you can land in a job that you really like someday that's doing good for the world. So, yeah, Continue. and I am sort of glad that I didn't just immediately, you know, come out of college and and get on a path really that led me here really fast. Um, so I actually went into editing and I worked on academic journals. Hmm. Oh um, boy. Which, which yeah. field? <laughs> Have you come across any of our stuff? Was it uh, the field of Possibly. paleoclimatology? Or... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, the fun thing that I learned pretty quickly is that virtually every journal that is out there outsources copy it. Yeah. So I like first started out working at this like small company called Heldrift Publications that doesn't exist anymore in oh, DC. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was like a great place to start. It was incredibly strange, pretty, incredibly like <laughs> idiosyncratic. It's just also like a bunch of young people editing weird, esoteric <laughs> journals. Like, what's uh, an example journal? I need, like, a field here, just to paint a picture, if you can remember. Um, I, well, I can tell you that the two journals that I I managed two, and then I think I did all the copy editing for a medical journal that I don't remember the name of, um, but I managed one, two education, and one was mm-hmm. called Clearinghouse, oh, and one was called Arts Education Policy Review. Oh, such a, um, those are niche journals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there were some even way nichier ones, but <laughs> I can't remember That's okay. what their names were. Um, but I graduated in 2008, and oh, so after time. I was there yeah, for about <laughs> a year, the journals got sold, um, and we, like, everybody except, like, six people got laid off. Hmm. Sure. So I moved to New York for a while, and then I started just doing, like, a lot of freelancing. So um, just for different publishing companies. For editing. Started doing textbooks. Yeah, doing just copy editing. Did you find it stressful to be a freelancer? I, I, like, my husband is a consultant, and I just, I, the, like, having to get your own work, that terrifies me and I think I'm always I'm so I think people are so brave when they're freelancers I'm like oh my god you guys are doing it yeah it's true I don't know you have to like figure it out and get your own work and I don't know if you ever felt stressed about it or you just oh yeah 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 no and I there are times now that I look back and I just cannot comprehend how I was doing the volume work that I was Mm. doing at the time sure um I think especially once I started sort of combining writing with editing. Um, so, like, at a certain point, I started thinking, 
you know, I'm tired of just fixing other people's work or, or you know, cleaning it up or streamlining it. Yeah. You know, I want to do some of this myself. So I initially started then, like, writing book reviews and kind of went from there, you know, wrote some for some really, really small publications, just kind of, like, did did anything that I could. And, it, and at some point in here, I to Richmond, which gave me a lot more freedom to experiment. Um, Richmond is a lot cheaper than New York mm-hmm. to live in. It is. <laughs> and I, you know, I had gone back to D.C. for a while after leaving New York. New York was definitely not for me. Um, but Richmond was that. way cheaper than both <laughs> D.C. I get that. And, and, I, and New York. I, Rachel, right, lives in New York. And when I, I, New York is also not for me, but I think there is a specific type of person who are like, thrive. And I go oh, there. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you're in Nyack. It's New York. Well, and, but I, I mean, I lived in New York City. Oh, you did, yeah. After yeah, when college. was that? After college, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I thought I really liked it, and then I left it, and I was like, wow, I was stressed for two years. <laughs> I like, I didn't know, but yeah. Anyway, I live outside the city. I don't know. I just visit. I think it's really interesting. I visit friends. My college friends live there, and then when I leave, I'm like, I'm. It was nice, but Exhausting. bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great to visit. And yeah. I, I, you know, I would have loved to have been a person, I think, did really thrive in New York City. My sister's I, lived there since not. she graduated. Yeah. I, people love it. But it anyway, sounds like so. you also had a lot on your plate in New York. So yeah. it, while you were in New York, you decided to move back to D.C. when you started writing more? And then um, D.C. Yeah, I think that sort of loosely overlapped. I think I mostly just left New York because I didn't like it. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> That's... Fair. Yeah. 100%. I have chosen many a job based on geographic location and yeah. grad school and everything. But what? So important. you were writing book reviews first, and then were you picking up stuff at like small article? I don't know how you make the leap from book review to beat writer. I don't know if that's Ooh. a journalist. <laughs> I would. I mean, it was sort of a very long progression. So I started out with book reviews, and then started writing like column on Ooh. like the publishing industry for the same publication yeah. which was just like run by some guy who had a dream basically oh my god and then i was able to use some of those <laughs> clips to get people at god i'm not sure i can even remember sort of how these things fell in order but i think i used those to then start writing for a website that also wrote about like books and publishing in dc mm. and so then I had some clips, and when I moved to Richmond, I could use those to, I at least had something to show to editors, yeah. you know, to come to them with a, a pitch. So I did that kind of just, like, freelance focus for probably a few years, and then I got my first staff job, which was at a, um, also now, now defunct <laughs> publication um, in Caroline County called the Caroline Progress. And so I technically worked for them for 20 hours a week. I was the only reporter. Oh, I covered wow. <laughs> every, every public meeting <laughs> in the county. So like Board of Supervisors, Planning Commission, there were two towns, so their town councils. Um, wow, that's uh, a lot. All sorts, you know, if there were, like, important court cases, like, community events and stuff. It, it was a lot. And I remember being absolutely terrified when I started. I was just hmm. like, I have no idea what I'm just, yeah, doing. In the deep end, yeah. They also yeah. threw you into, like, it sounded like you were mostly in the publishing, like, writing about publishing, writing about books. And all of a sudden, they're like, here are people, here are <laughs> You're meetings. You're a now. <laughs> yeah, enjoy I had been reporting in other stuff just in between those okay. two things, but it was more just, it was less consistent. It was kind of like, what could I find and what could I pitch? Like what um, story? So I think I'd, I built up some like skills by that time, but working at a newspaper really makes you learn a lot of skills really fast because you have to fill the space. Like, yeah. That paper goes out. That one was a weekly. I later moved to a daily down at Petersburg. Oh, yeah. But, like, those pages are going out every week or every day, and something yeah. has to be on them. You can't just you have like to write pictures. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Just clip art. Like yeah, woman eating salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you have your? Did, did you have stuff due every day? No. Is that a lot? I don't know. Is that normal? Like, do you have a lot? At the daily, at the daily paper, I don't think I wrote something every day, but I was probably had something every. I don't know, four out of five days. Some and some oh, days wow. we would rotate. At the Congress Index, which is the daily I was at, we would, staff would, like, rotate off Saturday shifts. So it's, like, I think it was every third Saturday you worked, and you would usually write at least two stories that day, um, oh, just boy. whatever was going on. So um, what what skills do you use for your job? I mean, you mentioned that you, you learn a lot of different skills during reporting. What are those? Like, if you knew that you had these skills, these innate things early on, would you have would you have ended up there sooner or like I have I guess a set of personality traits that are both really well suited to journalism and really poorly suited to journalism. Yeah, <laughs> so we'd love to hear. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's take a deep dive um, into your personality traits. Yeah. <laughs> what is your enneagram? What yes. is your rise? I don't know. <laughs> I see that on Instagram a lot. <laughs> Are you a Carrie? Are you a Samantha? <laughs> you know, I had a coworker at the Mercury, um, Michelle Hankerson, who is from Hampton Roads, and she's now the news director at WHRO down there. Great reporter. Great, just like really great at everything and as a human being. Um, yeah. But she loves star charts. And so whenever she found out when a legislator's (laughs) birthday was, she would do a star chart for the particular legislator. No way. I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) What is your star chart? Did she make you do it? She did one for me, but I have to admit it was like two years ago. And I remember, I mean, it's always interesting to hear other people talk about you. I love it. Yeah. uh, I I don't remember what it was. But what's your like major sign that you should know, right? Your big one? Like Capricorn, I'm a Scorpio. Oh, oh, my! I don't know when Gemini is. No, my. Son oh, is Rachel just made a face that was like, "I'm sorry." Oh no, I know nothing. <laughs> I have no. I know what I am. What are you? But my face was like, uh, <laughs> the face I made was because I was like, "Oh, that's what Steph was asking." <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, major sign. I don't know. I'm a what? Cancer. Oh, all right. oh, I'm a Capricorn, oh. but I'm on the cusp with Aquarius. So, but I'm a Leo rising, and that's really where it comes. What through. does that? Okay, different podcast. Okay, Sarah. <laughs> yes. What skills are you well suited for your job, oh, yeah, and right, what right, are right. not? Let's go back. I'm sorry, I took us what down this path. What skills are Gemini suited for? <laughs> I think that I am, in general, a good listener. Um, I think that I've been told that people find it fairly easy to talk to me. So that's obviously a skill yeah. that can be, or it's a skill that I think can be developed is sort of paying right. attention to how do you get people to tell their story? Um, you know, whether their story is, you know, the kind of thing that you're going to be writing about in a community newspaper or whether it's, you know, getting them to just describe why they feel the way they do about a particular issue. Um and then I, I think that one of my strengths is being able to clearly sort of break down very complicated issues. And that's really yeah. important to me. Um, I think that anybody, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but... That's okay. <laughs> I think that anybody who goes into journalism, that even though you hear about this sort of stereotype of the journalist as being this very cynical person, I think that that comes from the fact that anybody goes into this field sort of is fundamentally an idealist and I think it's because it's sort of founded on this belief that you know the public has a right to know information and the public should be involved in decision that Hmm. they have the capability to understand what's going on and that not just do they have the capability but that as informed citizens they should be involved in all of these processes and I tend to think that people are a lot, they're very interested in some of these more complicated topics. I do think people are really interested in their utilities and yeah. the transition to clean energy and sea level rise and energy efficiency and all of these things. It's just that there often is a really high barrier 
to understanding them. And some of that is deliberate. Um, right. You know? Yeah. And some of it is because it's complicated. And so I sort of see my role as being this intermediary who yeah. I have the time and I'm in a position where I can put a lot of effort into figuring out why are these things the way that they are? And people are willing to talk to me about that and that I can then sort of pass that on to members of the public who then can make better and more informed decisions. And again, to kind of come back to that, that like policy question of there's often a lot of different options of policies that people can select and but you can't really have a good discussion about what those options are if people don't understand what the basic issues are it's like all of that makes sense and it's interesting people Rachel and I've talked to before communication has been such a strong like to be good at your job you need most of the people you have to be a good communicator but I love is your job (laughs) yeah and that is and I love a news story that'll tell me what I need to know so I I don't have to ever click on the, like, hyperlink to the legislative document and, like, scroll through that and be like, what are we actually saying here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. also, I think your idealism is re- – I mean, am I sort of hearing we should abolish the Electoral College in there a little oh. bit? <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I, think you're, I think you're right that people don't give people enough – credit in that they want and it's nice to hear that from someone who actually interacts with people outside of like the I feel like I'm in a bubble a lot of the time and you actually talk to people from different places and with different life histories and different views and it's nice to hear that you think that people just really want to know and make informed decisions yeah I mean some of my like the favorite emails that I get are from people who are not plugged into a lot of like the political circles it is just somebody who happened to read it and then just like writes me a note you know sometimes about oh you know we did this with energy efficiency like thanks for filling us in on on what's yeah done and I I find those to be really some of the most motivating things that I hear it is that kind of that reminder that people care. And what you wrote, like, made help somebody make a decision to make a change in their life, which is also kind of a really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right. Really- yeah, or just to understand yeah. better maybe, and maybe down the road, well. Yeah. As a Gemini, we talked about this stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> what you also had a short little piece where you said, there are some things that make you not well suited to being a journalist, but you are anyway. Can you talk about maybe one of those? Oh, sure. So I... I am not somebody who thrives off of conflict. Um, I think I'm definitely a people pleaser. And it was, it has been a process for me to build up a thicker skin Hmm. over time. Um, People do feel comfortable saying things to journalists that I don't think they would be comfortable saying to almost any other members of the public. Um, People can be really mean. Yeah. And you do just kind of have to get used to that. That's been difficult for me. Um, sure. And and this is fun for me kind of to look back on, you know, to, to have a moment where you're like, oh, my God, like, look how far I've come. I have actually yeah. moved at this. Is that I used to be terrified to call people on the phone and interview. I yeah. think I just had in my mind that, like, I would introduce myself and they would start yelling. I, I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking, but I would have to, like, spend 20 minutes or so like psyching myself up to make the calls and what I actually did for a while is I would pretend that I was a boyfriend that my sister had at the time who just happened (laughs) to be very like outgoing and gregarious fake it till you make it (laughs) yeah so it's like something about like pretending to be Alberto like helped (laughs) me let's all pretend to be Alberto and I did that for a while and like now I will still, if it's like a very high stress call, like, yes, I get nervous, but over time, just doing that again and again and again, really just, you can't be that stressed all the time. Like you've got to start losing <laughs> some of it. Right. Eventually. Yeah. No. And it sounds like practice and experience also has helped you get a little bit more comfortable, like over time. This being said, my grown man adult husband still won't make a phone call I, and I, I was gonna have... say the same thing <laughs> I was like for, do you have any tips for job. Greg ordering f- dinner yeah for truly. takeout yeah I get 
I have <laughs> always been, way. it's funny, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, is that I have always <laughs> been kind of weirdly phobic about ordering takeout over the phone. Yes, and so you're all not the alone. Apps that came in, oh, they've yeah. been so great. I don't have to do that anymore. Um, well, I think we have to tell Kristen and Greg to channel Alberto. And yeah. Order, like, or call yeah. the doctor or whatever small thing it is. I'm just like, pick up the just phone. Just do it. You're yeah. like, it's, I, I, I don't know. I understand it. I get stressed about certain things like that. But the the longer you wait to do it, the more stressed you're going to Just gets. do it. Just get yeah. it over with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, do, I, I do wish I had known, though, when I started working as a journalist that the vast majority of journalists also started out or still do get nervous making calls i wish i I really wish i had known that because i just had this perception that oh nobody else had this problem everybody else was just like so brave and didn't care and i was just this like yeah sort of pathetic yeah it was losing my nerve um i mean we in our field we give these talks at conferences and it's like incredibly nerve-wracking and the i remember the first talk i gave i was i mean so so incredibly nervous just so nervous and i did it and somebody came up to me after and said you know good job whatever and and he said he was a professor probably in his 40s he said you know i still get nervous sometimes with talk and it was just like oh i mean first of all it's a little scary that it doesn't go away but he was so kind and yeah (laughs) it it was like okay i'm not alone i i also i don't know it it almost helped me overcome it it was like we don't have time to be nervous anymore like if everyone's like this let's just i don't know get comfortable with each other it's like (laughs) it's very validating Kind of. Yeah. And I also think imposter syndrome is like super real too, right? Where you're like, why am I the person making this call? Like, who allowed me to do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> this microphone. How we got here. How we got. Oh, full circle. Always, Steph always bought us microphones. Full... Yeah. <laughs> That's how we got here. Well, Sarah, you might. I, I have a feeling I know the answer to this question. And it is uh, if there were no climate crisis, what would you be doing? But I think I know the answer to this question but you, you answer it. <laughs> I, now I want to I wanna see if it matches up. Yes, if you answer Say it at the same time. Three, two. No, I was going to say you'd probably still be a journalist because, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah every, most, I'm the only person that we've talked to thus far that is like, I would have a totally different job. <laughs> what would you do? I don't know. Not what I do now. Anything else. She's a TV what you, personality. What you That's don't what know is this podcast <laughs> is just a vehicle for me to learn about other jobs so I can leave yeah. mine. <laughs> this is this so is smart. A, this is a this reverse is job interview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For free. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, not free. We're paying you a little bit. Um, <laughs> but no, you can answer that question now. <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do think I would still be a journalist um I didn't you know go into journalism thinking that I was going to be covering environmental issues that was definitely something that evolved over time and it was actually when I was at Petersburg Progress Index um, the daily paper editor yes the daily paper I had an editor there who really was something of a mentor to me and he was talking to me one day and he said you know this one reporter here has this focus on business and this other one like focuses on sports. I think that you should have a focus and I think it should be like environment and agriculture because you really seem like you're interested in those areas. And I was like, you're, yeah, you're right. I am interested. Hmm. So, you know, when you're working at a very, very understaffed daily paper that covers <laughs> six localities it's not like you can really specialize but when I could you know when I had the time we would sort of prioritize those kind of stories and and I I mean he he was absolutely right I ended up enjoying those things and when I left that paper and I went back to freelancing I made this decision that I was going to like brand myself as an environmental journalist and that turned out to be a really good call because some of the work there that I had done ended up getting me a job at the Bay Journal, um, which writes about the Chesapeake Bay. Yep. Oh. And then at the Mercury. And 
my editor, I guess, had, among one of the ways that he found me was by Googling for environmental journals. So awesome. Yeah. You were like headhunting. Also having a website. A website was a really good idea. We're getting a lot of hot tips. In this <laughs> well, episode. I also yeah. think <laughs> another thing that's really important is finding a mentor. Yeah. Who, and it sounds like your mentor, the Petersburg paper, had this top-down view or this bird's eye view, really, to be like, oh, she seems to be interested in these things. Let me, like, help her. And that led you on this, like, oh, yeah, I am. Thank you for, like, telling me agriculture and environment is what I'm interested in. And for, like, in. validating that. Yeah. And yes. you took that and went with it, right? And Yeah. And that, that was really, really important. I mean, I, I will also say that I have always kind of felt a dearth of mentorship. That's... Sure. That's definitely yeah. been something that I am always really jealous of people when I mm. hear that they have these really strong mentor figures in their life. And I think that, you know, there's probably a gender component to yeah. that. Oh, um, I'm sure. Journalism, I think, is increasingly becoming much more diversified. Like, I mean, there's a ton of just incredibly talented, like great female journalists in, in Richmond and around the state. Um, but you do still see a lot of leadership that is male. There's just, there's fewer female journalists mm-hmm. who are in their like fifties and yeah. in their sixties. Yeah. Um, it is totally a boys club. And I feel like we're all constantly fighting these embedded, the structural patriarchy that exists in so yeah. many of these like predominantly male fields, like journalism. If you think of, I think, think of like, new films from the 1950s it's always like a girl journalist and then like his girl friday or whatever right or like scientists you picture a scientist you often picture a male someone who's gendered male i don't know i think you're totally right and that's and that's a bummer and that it's just a bummer i do think it's it is definitely changing a lot and i think it's also like worth remembering that like one of the most influential american journalists was a woman was Ida Tartle, um, who, you know, exposed Standard Oil. She Mm -hmm. is the woman who broke up Standard Oil, the largest oil company. You know, this this just massive entity that that dominated everything. Um, I mean, women, no, I get it. And I feel like women have just been getting it on their own when they can't forever yeah. right like doing your own thing but Sarah, you yeah. could be someone else's mentor though because yeah. i feel like you have your <laughs> shit Good together listener. great <laughs> listener have a path gemini you're you're the new old guard is that a weird way to say I don't oh know. my god no you're not you're that's not what i meant i that came out awfully <laughs> no, it, was, it was a sobering moment at some point i want to say it might have been when i started working my first staff job in Caroline County. So I, I think I would have been about 28, 27. Which is I don't young. Know. I'm going to emphasize that is young. <laughs> Correct. But I had this terrible moment one day where I was like, oh my God, I'm not like the bright young thing in the office anymore, uh, which you are when you're like right out of college. I know. I know. And you're like, that that ship is <laughs> sailed. I'm never going to be that person again. Uh. I get that. I I fully get that. I pretend I'm young all the time. And everyone's like, you've been at this job for a while. You don't have this excuse anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, Sarah, this has been such a lovely yeah. conversation. Uh, we usually wrap up by asking if you have any pets and if they have a social media presence. But We, we must know. So do you have I, any pets? In- yeah. I sadly do not. I'm not allowed to have them at my apartment. <gasps> but... But I can make some good recommendations of yes. specific, specific dog accounts that you should yes. follow. Oh, my God. Throw them out uh, there. So I got really into following <laughs> different collies on Instagram. Um, I, an ex-boyfriend different and I did collies. have, we had this collie husky mix. Um, oh. And when we broke up, he got to keep the dog. Oh. And I was, you know, really upset. So I yeah. got really invested in these particular dogs. <laughs> so... One of them who lives in Scotland, and so his Instagram handle is Roman Around Scotland. Oh, that's so clever. So So clever. I love it. It's like the half black, half white face. Uh, All about it. The one I'm particularly partial to. (laughs) And he's changed the Instagram. 
his owner is a woman. The woman's changed the Instagram. <laughs> no, he name. has done it. The dog has yes, done, he's the done, done it. Collies are very smart. <laughs> they um, are. But the, the dog's name is Gav, and he lives in Yorkshire. And Gav is a very highly strung, very anxious, somewhat naughty dog. But he's so cute, and he's such a mess that I have a really soft spot in my heart. I actually wrote an Instagram message at some point to his owner, and was just like, because it felt weird after a while to be liking all of (laughs) Did she respond? She did. She sent me a really nice message oh back because I basically told her I was like, "Oh, I miss my dog." Like, yeah, and I love Gav, and yeah, I, yeah. She sent me a really nice note. I still follow um, him. We will link. Is it Gav in New? It what? used to be Gav, Gav, Gav the dog, but <laughs> but she changed it to something, and I will link to, go to it. it. I mean, I follow him, so I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Why would you memorize that? I know. Yeah, no, no. no. Yeah. We will link to it. Don't. I was you trying to worry. find it, but I can't. How does um, it I get also him? love that the collies <laughs> that you—that's my dog. If you can see him, Ooh, <laughs> ears. Hey, Edgar. Hi, Edgar. Okay, bye, Edgar. Um, oh. <laughs> don't follow him on Instagram. I just want to say, I love that the collies you follow are British. Yes. <laughs> right? So Scottish and from England? I, Yorkshire? Is the Yorkshire in England? I pretend Yorkshire's it was. in England. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> I think maybe it's, there's just something about, they have all of this, like, open public space there oh, that yeah. happy dog and, you know collies are very very active and need to be yeah. walked a lot so aesthetically also it's just like more it's fun to see dogs wandering yeah. over the moors than it is to see them like wandering through a subdivision <laughs> uh, i would follow that dog's instagram just sitting in a sad apartment in norfolk <laughs> that is the most depressing <laughs> Well, I'll end it. Wait, Rachel, you seem like you just. I thought I got it, but it was a guy named Gavin that lives in Yorkshire. (laughs) Forget it. If you could have seen Rachel's face, (laughs) she looks like she just solved climate change. Yes. No. We'll link to it on the website. Yeah, I'll find it and I'll email it to you guys. Perfect. Perfect. This has been great. I mean, we can.